Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Still bright sunshiny out there. And we are working our way up to what should be an absolute fantastic weekend. You know, as we get closer and closer, the interest peaks, does it not? You can tell there is a buzz in the air. Even if you are kind of dodging potholes still a little bit, they've done a good job about filling those. At least downtown, I guess they have, right? Or if you're going up Illinois and you're dodging that uh, Pan Am Plaza where it's one lane going up Illinois right there. If you're dodging that construction area. But there's always seems like you learn something new every day, don't you? About something new that's going on. Something you can attend. Something you can be a part of. Uh, even if those tickets, which they are, to that game on Sunday night, a little bit too salty. And they are. But we are almost there. Tomorrow's show on the road. Friday's show on the road. I've got a Sunday show that has been added that evidently is downtown. I shall explain that to you to go along with the JMV takeover. We will be busy coming up in the next four days. And believe me, when we're busy, you know that I want to see you. Uh, it is no fair when you don't come out and drink with me on location during shows. So I want to see you. Pacers, Raptors, Pacers. And I saw the question marks for tonight. I saw where Halliburton is a question mark. I think Miles is uh, illing a little bit right now. Something's floating around in that Pacer locker room. Wash some hands, get things maybe uh, a little spick and span. Matherin was ill. Matherin has a sore knee, something like that, I believe, too. But we'll see who is all going to be a part of that tonight in Toronto. The return of Pascal Siakam for the first time in a Pacer uniform where he had spent the entirety of his NBA career up until a month ago. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on, too. In fact, I'm ready to see. And it's not like we're going to build any confidence that, hey, you go up there and win tonight, and that's going to be the way that it is after the All-Star break. No confidence there but you don't want to go in to this long weekend on a bummer and believe me the last time we saw this pacer team it was a large bummer the most embarrassing of the bummers of the season it was my friends so don't do that don't do that 
get some rest, get healthy, you know, get whatever you need to get out. If you're having team conversations only in the locker room, whatever you need to do, because we need more consistent basketball after this all-star break. And I'm not going to double back on my word. I told you, even before the Siakam deal, I told you that I'm going to hold this thing to a higher standard. And a higher standard is not what you saw on Monday night in that crap fest in Charlotte. So tonight, you give the fan base around here a reason to feel good going in, even if there is not a valid reason long-term to feel. you got to see more, right? Yeah, consistency. Consistency takes a little bit of time. And working from inconsistency may take a little bit longer. But you don't want to go into the All-Star break looking like you did on Monday and then losing to another bad team later on tonight up in Canada. Don't do it. Uh, we shall talk about that coming up a little bit later on as well. Butler, Butler, it was a valiant effort. And maybe you knew if you were a Butler fan that they were going to be screwed prior to. But when uh, when the Marquette guy banked it in from basically left of the top of the key, extended for a three, when that went in, you knew you were screwed. You knew you were screwed. There are just some moments in the game even beyond the way the team is playing, you know that is going to hose you. Like, I, I, for example, I like playing with, you know, I like playing basketball still, right? I talk about this all the time. There are certain dudes when they hit shots, you go, yeah, you know what? We're going to be screwed because this normally doesn't happen. And you just knew, Butler fans, that that was the moment. And they had done a great job to work their way back in. Kind of thought the play of the game, you guys – that were there at Hinkle last night, if you watched it, was uh, the steal and then the turnover committed on the break after that steal. You know, late in the second half, they were down two at that moment. I mean, looking to either tie or maybe take a lead. And then, unfortunately, you had somebody trailing the play from Marquette and Butler kind of gave her right back to him. And I will say this about Butler, too. I mean, it's been good about getting back into it and now, you know, becoming the team that everybody thought maybe you could be. You know, starting to work that consistency angle. And everybody's suggesting, I think the term was, and this drives me nuts, and I don't know if it does you too, uh, this cliche, playing with house money. I mean, hell, we've used, we used it so much. We've worn it out. Having your cake and eating it too or – you know, house money or it's all gravy. And normally that also is a coming from a losing angle. And, and believe me, as Colts fans, they know those terms were absolutely worn out in the fall. All of that, all that house money stuff. And there's a point in time when you prove more consistently that you're the team and how you're playing right now to where forget about the house money, go out there and get a win. And you can go basically from losing that game last night to Marquette and splitting the season series in the Big East with Marquette. But then if you lose to Creighton on Saturday, that's worse. And then all of a sudden you may have a motivated team in Philly and Villanova. And all of a sudden, that looks tougher to navigate, and you don't give yourself any wiggle room, any margin for error. 
and nobody is anticipating errors, but you don't want you you, you want to at least have some margin for error if you're a butler. And you still want to be able to believe. And frankly, they're good enough to do that too. They were good enough to win last night. They didn't. And they're certainly good enough to win on Saturday when they host Creighton because, honestly, we saw them beat Creighton a couple of weeks ago. So they're good enough to do it. The expectations are there. So just do it and create a little bit of margin for error for your team in terms of the NCAA tournament. I tried to tell you regarding mine, or ours, I should say, that there's not any margin for error here. And I'm sorry, and I love them all. They are all really good friends, and they are all really smart. All of them. But from Greg Rakestraw to the Sweebo in the morning to Jake and company here in the midday, let me just say this, and I've said this all along, they need to win it to be in it. And people are asking me, hey, I bet you're salty today, right? I bet you're mad about what happened last night. Well, it sucked. I I tell you, 7 for 37, I believe, is what they were from three-point range. (laughs) 7 for 37? I think in the first half, it was like 1 for 17. 1 for 17. That's outrageous. But... Josh Schertz, who's been on the show a number of times, their head coach, has alluded to a couple of things as of late. If you remember, after that Belmont game, they got down 19, came back, ended up winning on the road in Nashville. He described his team in that first half as being entitled. And then he went back to that reference again last night after the loss at the Holman Center, entitled. I will say this, the bad timing award goes to my and your Indiana State Sycamores, without question. The bad timing award. You got ESPN in your building, and they're shooting something for college game day, and hey, look at this, and this is great, and this guy wears goggles, and they look at it as a little little Jokic, and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Three-point shooting, up and down, going to be a problem coming up in the NCAA tournament. Ranked for the first time since 1979 when Larry Bird played. All that, right? So the bad timing award goes to Indiana State. But if you've watched them play for the most part, you could see something like this brewing. And as I've talked about with this team, and this really is is a lot of teams. When they say another cliche, you live and die by the three, It is great to live by it, but when you die by it, you fall hard. You come crashing to the earth like nobody's business. That's what happened last night in their own building against a team that has a net ranking of 586. I just made that up. I'm not sure, but it was really low. Illinois State, 583. So you got them in your building in a building in which you play in all the time, shoot in all the time, and they didn't shoot any better in the first half either. I think both teams in the first half from distance were like 2 of 26. Seriously, we could all shoot better than that. 2 of 26. And it's not like this was just great defense that was closing out and you know taking away these shots. This was lackadaisical defense that really didn't do much except create the opportunity for both teams to take a lot of threes that they missed. That's what it was. And especially Indiana State. Indiana State had wide open after wide open look. 
But if you're asking me, as many of you have, I'm not angry. I'm not mad. And here's why. Because I live in a world that is called reality. And the reality is, and I really feel confident about this, I don't trust any committee, especially the selection committee. You know how I feel about committees. There is no trust. I have said all along what? You got to win it to be in it. We've got two sayings on this show. With the Pacers, it is, if you don't go over 110, you ain't going to win. And with Indiana State is, you got to win it to be in it. And I felt that way going into last night. And I'm sure that all the numbers and analyst nerds out there are going to get their slide rules and their Texas Instruments calculators, and they're going to get their robots and their computers out and tell me how I'm wrong. I don't care. I don't care. Because you're also dealing with the human aspect and a human aspect that's involved in a committee or involved in a board. When that plays a role, especially if you're a mid-major, then all of a sudden the losses become more magnified. Second game of the year, I think it was, right? Blowing out at Alabama. Oh, man, did you see that at Alabama? A double-figure loss at Michigan State late in December. You lost to Drake. And then this one right here. This is the wart on the end of the nose of a hot mid-majors opportunity at an at-large bid. And I didn't buy it beforehand. I thought, no, you got to go ahead and win this. It's going to be hard, too, because these teams in, in the Missouri Valley are all basically bunched up together. You can put Drake and Bradley and Indiana State to a lesser degree a team Indiana State goes to coming up on Saturday in Carbondale with Southern Illinois. They're a little bit below, but not that far, not far enough off the pace. So I'm not angry. I'm not salty. I was disappointed. I was disappointed that the coach had to bring up again to this team that has had and brought so much love, so much interest in the university, the basketball program, Paradise. And I'm such a big fan, and I just want this to happen. I know that they're not going to win them all, but to do that to yourself last night, that's what bugs me. If you know me well, if you get beat, you get beat. If somebody throws one, I'll give you a great example last night. So Evansville was tied, I think, with a late shot down at the Ford Center in the Missouri Valley uh, with Drake. And Drake came down and some dude basically got across half court, launched, and uh, hit it. If that's how you lose to Illinois State, that's how you lose to Illinois State. But to play like that, to get back in it, at the nine-minute mark of the second half, you take a one-point advantage, and then immediately it goes back to double digits. And the fact that your coach had to bring back up that that was an entitled, titled performance, an entitled played game, that's tough. That is tough because, like all these other teams that we're talking about, you build expectations. I have no doubt that when you look at it, there's a great deal of a team being overrated because of the schedule in which they play. But, you know, really, you were in control of that destiny. And I hate to say this too, I hate to use this word, but you were going to be in control 
of that narrative. And then you had all that love heaped on you. And let's just face it, last night, last night, if you've had kids, young kids, if you've got, let's say, for example, right now, uh, we'll talk to him in the 5 o'clock hour. Kevin Bowen, part of Sweebo. Max Bowen. Max Bowen has probably recently crapped the bed. He's very young. Todd, less than a toddler, right? Baby. How old's Max? I don't even know. I'll ask Kevin. I'm sure he's going to love this analogy, but this is what occurred to me. And then I immediately share it with you. But I'm assuming that, that Max Bowen has crapped the bed here recently. And that's exactly what Indiana State did last night. They crapped the bed. All of which that they had in their own control to maintain. And all the love and all the interest that they were building, they were ranked in the top 25 for the first time since 1979 for the better part of about 48 hours. And it all came crashing down last night. Now, you can take this two different ways. There's a fork in the road here. You can be this. Just this inconsistent, hey, we're really good when we hit the three. I got news for you. Anybody that's ever picked up a basketball is really good when you hit the three. But what are you like when that's not so easy to do? What are you like when that kind of gets taken away? What type of team are you when you have to win and do something else to get there? You have to win by a different avenue. What type of team are you there? And that's, that's to me, I can give you a great example. Like Florida Atlantic last year, everybody was trying to compare Indiana State's run you know, to that of Florida Atlantic. Obviously, Florida Atlantic did much more getting into the tournament and doing that. But if you watch them play, they weren't always one thing, were they? Some games, some games they won because they stroked a three. Some games they won because they got late stops. Some games they won because... You know, they were just a little bit better, got to the free throw line a little bit more. More connected team, didn't turn the ball over. Like Dusty's team last year, to get to the Final Four, they won in a variety of ways. You cannot be one-dimensional. A one-dimensional team can have a run like that. What do you do when that dimension in which you're used to, and I love that dimension, the three-point shooting, what do you do when that goes away, and I'm not suggesting it was taken away. What do you do when it goes away? What are your options then? So if you're able to find that out of this, then that's great. But if this loss defines you, that's when I'll get salty. That's when I will be bummed out. I don't want to see last night define them. Maybe that's just the type of team they are. There are a lot of teams out there like that. You don't hit the three, you're not going to win. And you're going to continue to try and try to try. Seven for 37. That's just not working. But do you let this loss define you? We could come on here and talk about a lot of games. Really, if we wanted to, we can make a similar analogy from Monday night with the Pacers in Charlotte. So is this who you really are? This whole Jekyll and Hyde bullcrap act that everybody's really tired of by now? Are, are you the good team that, you know, are you throwing it off the backboard or they're hitting Siakam in the corner for a three? Or are you the team that lets 
some dude nobody's ever heard of come in from Oklahoma City and carve you up off the dribble. Is that you? Not going to be you. We define you by that inconsistency or we will define you by becoming a consistent team that has a variety of ways to win. That's what I'm looking for from the Indiana State Sycamores. And again, I am not salty whatsoever because I felt all along, despite all the incredibly smart people that told me otherwise, and by the way, still tell me, still tell me, there's no way. Can you imagine the committee? I don't even know who's on the committee. Who's uh, who's the committee head of the selection, the NCAA selection committee? Does Todd down the hall not have that like tattooed on his forearm or anything like that? I don't even know who the committee is, but there is no way. Oh, here's what we're going to do. We'll take Indiana State. Wait a minute, who they lose to? Illinois State, like 583 in the net. I felt all along they've had to win it. You do not trust the selection and the basketball viewing numbers crunching. You do not put that in the hands of a selection committee. If you're from the Missouri Valley Conference, you don't. So win it to be in it is what I'm saying right now. So, no, disappointed in what took place, but salty, mad, angry, not. We'll get that, though, if you let that define you. I got time to talk about anything you guys like at 239-1070 if you so desire. I cannot wait. I love talking basketball. I love talking basketball, especially with those that are at the top of the game right now. Those that I've never had a conversation with prior and Chris Finch is the head coach of the Western Conference All-Stars. He's also the head coach of an incredible Western Conference team in Minnesota right now. Second of a back-to-back win last night in Portland. I think they wait in another Thursday contest in Portland before he ends up heading to Indianapolis. His story is outstanding as well. And here's something that I want to talk about. Minnesota also gets it done defensively. And having watched this Pacer team and just drawing a conclusion that defensively speaking, this is as good as they're going to get, I want to talk a little bit about his team, where they are right now, obviously in the Western Conference, but that defense. You know, what has been the major change? There's no doubt. You have Anthony Edwards. You've got Carl Anthony Towns. Those are two of the better players in the Western Conference. Gobert has fit in just right, it seems, with this group right now, both offensively and defensively. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about being able to, after being just a a big-time basketball guy for so many years, and then now you get this opportunity with your staff to coach the Western Conference All-Stars. Chris Finch, the head coach of Minnesota, join us at the bottom of the hour. We got Bowen's going to be in here, too, and see what he likes about the Max Bowen crap in the bed analogy. What do you guys think? Is he going to dig that? Got a lot more for you as well. We got a couple of days on the road, both Thursday and Friday. Then I'm back at you on Saturday on the road as well. All this stuff is what they like to suggest as fluid. That's that's what they tell you. This is fluid. They tell you when they just found this out five minutes ago. <laughs> right? 
here's what you're going to do. And we just found out five minutes ago. It's fluid. All right. It's very fluid. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up as well. Bourbon and beyond tickets. Anybody, have we filled the four yet? Anybody yet? Anybody else I left off the list there to talk to right now? Huh? Oh, for four o'clock? Oh, Chris Denary. Chris Denary. Denary's going to, yeah. yeah. James, here, James. Uh huh. Well, what? You just looked at huh? me and you're like, have you filled anybody for four? I didn't know what you were talking about. Huh? What? Who's your, who are you again? Wait a minute. Pantera, what? It's James over there. Bourbon and Beyond. <laughs> Coming up, Christian Harry from Toronto a little bit later on, too. I cannot wait. Chris Finch is the head coach of the Western Conference All-Stars. His Minnesota Timberwolves team has been outstanding prior to the All-Star breakout West. We'll talk to uh, Chris Finch about his team, about having that honor of coaching the Western All-Stars here in Indy this weekend. Chris Finch and you at 239-1070. Email address jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge, the AAA membership lounge via YouTube Live. Get in there, too. I'd love to see you. Love to talk with you. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107. Five the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? Guess not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, we're going love song re-entries today, but because it's Valentine's Day. Very special Valentine's Day. I've got the Barry White voice working today, too, so I'm thinking I might have to roll some Barry White out here a little bit later on. But maybe power ballad Saigon kick love is on the way for Valentine's Day right now. So, hey, happy Valentine's Day with whatever you plan on doing coming up later on today or this evening in what has been really a string of days around here that have absolutely been outstanding. I mean, outstanding it's been around here. Now, leading into the All-Star Weekend, Pacers back on the road. One more before the weekend is officially underway in Toronto, coming up later on tonight. And uh, we'll have that for you as we normally do right here. Chris Finch is the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, scheduled to join us coming up in just a minute. Also, of course, the Western Conference All-Star head coach who is going to be here. But Josh had a very interesting question that he wanted to ask. Josh says, what's Teradice? I've never heard that before. Why is it called that? Because it is Terre Haute, Indiana. It is Vigo County. And Terre Haute, Indiana, to many of us out there that have had a great time in our life, more than just a couple of minutes in Terre Haute, Indiana, we like to reference that as Teradice. Teradice is what it is. Jim McCann in Southern California says, hey, yesterday you told the Sycamores, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Don't lose after getting that top 25 ranking. Don't do it. And I guess they just did not listen. They didn't last night. 
Like 7 of 37 from distance. 7 of 37. As again, as I mentioned, I'm not mad. I'm not salty. I'm not irritated. I'm not irritable. I'm having a great day. I recognize prior to that just to make sure you're solidified, you better damn straight win in St. Louis in March. That's just the way that it is. It's the way, I, and I know, I, I don't know if I'm thinking like Joe Lenardi because Joe Lenardi basically said to get an at-large that they would have to win like 20 in a row or something. I think Lenardi was being a bit flippant when he said that, but I would happen to agree. I don't trust anybody. Well, it's a down year, right? It is a down year for everybody else in the major conferences. Again, that simply doesn't matter. And you do not want that to play a role whatsoever. Uh, last night was a bummer. It was, but uh, our saying is you need to win it to be in it. And I shall stick with that. Yeah, tomorrow, if you're asking, tomorrow on the road, this is our NBA Jam final, NBA Jam and Michelob Ultra on the road coming up tomorrow. At downtown, actually, and we're going to be at Brothers tomorrow. We'd love to see you at Brothers. And we'll fire that bad boy up in the neighborhood of uh, 3 o'clock. All the winners to previous shows will be there. You'll battle it out. And the champion, the high score, will get NBA Jam, the arcade. The arcade game, I'm sorry. Not the arcade, but the arcade game, NBA Jam, which would be awesome. I don't care you know, whether you have a room. I would put that son of a gun in the living room. I would get that, and I would get... Seawolf, and I would put it right there in the middle of the living room. But that's what we're doing tomorrow with Michelob Ultra. Should be a blast. On Friday at the Slippery Noodle, there's going to be a lot of NBA All-Star Weekend stuff going on there that I'll explain probably more. As I mentioned in the first segment, uh, things that are fluid are things that are unknown until basically the last minute. So it's fluid. I just know at 3 o'clock I'll be at the Slippery Noodle coming up on Friday. And then on Sunday, on Sunday I'm going to be downtown at Winter's Circle. So if you're going to the All-Star game, if you're walking by, Winter's Circle should be absolutely outstanding. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, James. Just in case... Chris Finch is a little bit late on this. I want to give as much time as possible on the other side, so I'm going to take a break right here. Okay, take a break right here. Chris Finch, they had a second of a back-to-back in Portland last night. They got one more with Portland coming up tomorrow night. The best out west so far is Chris Finch and the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the head coach is going to join us coming up, too. Also, the Western Conference All-Star coach is going to join us. Chris Denary and Kevin Bowen also on the way, and your call if you guys are locked and loaded at 239-1070, we'll do that coming up on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. 
93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, crank it up, James, here for the ladies on Valentine's Day. Well, Joe to see Slow Jim. Denary voice of the Pacers from Toronto, top of the hour. Well, Sweebo in the five. On the road tomorrow, I'll tell you again, remind you with NBA Jam where we're going to be coming up tomorrow. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I believe him to be right now, staked out in Portland at the uh, second of two after winning last night in Portland. Got Portland coming up on Thursday. The best out west so far at 38-16. and 16. And with uh, Minnesota, also the head coach of the Western Conference All-Stars. So he'll be in town coming up this weekend to Chris Finch as the head coach of the Timberwolves on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Hey, Chris, thank you very much for the time here in Indy with us. How are you? I'm great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, fantastic. Your team is playing fantastically. I want to get into them a little bit, then get into the All-Star break and being a part of this. The thing I noticed, I guess, the most is being a huge basketball fan and watching the NBA is just the, the different level your team seems to play defensively right now, which is something I'd like to see the Pacers get into at some point. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. What has been that evolution process with your team defensively that has made them so much better it seems this season well you know listen i think you got to have guys who you know like and value and are good at playing defense i mean it sounds kind of basic but it's it's true it's a good place to start we're fortunate to have a lot of two-way players um and you know some of our young players in particular are you know really good defenders they take the challenge and guard on the ball uh and then you know, then it just becomes about learning the learning these players, picking up tendencies and the schemes and the coverages, and that just takes experience and time. And, and uh, you know, Anthony Edwards, for example, always been great on the ball. His competitiveness is at a high level, but off the ball, he just gets better and better every year, just with familiarity. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have Rudy Gobert, who is uh, drives it all. Like he, it, it's his approach to defense. It's his um, you know, his desire to, to want to be great at that end of the floor and instill that into his teammates. So you got to be good at the point of attack, which is really hard to do in today's NBA yeah. with the rules and the skill. Uh, and then you got to be good at the rim. And, you know, fortunately, we have those things covered. You know, we have things that we're not as good at, but we got the basics covered. So that gives us a fighting chance every night to be a good defensive team. He is Chris Finch, the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves and your Western Conference All-Star head coach here coming up on Sunday in Indy with the All-Star game. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You guys, I'm always curious about this because Miles Turner also is like a, a block guy, gets a lot yeah. of blocks. And the thing that stands out to me about Gobert is uh, it is even more so an impact with those that drive. Let's just say they get past that point of attack that you're talking about they get into the paint get into the lane and then there's a detour after that because just his simple presence there makes them have a change of heart about attacking the rim how big is that even beyond chris the block itself yeah i think well we talk about all the time it's deterrence you know the deterrence is probably the the thing that you can't measure which is probably the biggest impact you know driver to changing the way these teams want to play i mean you look at the new NBA, there's such a, you know, emphasis on efficiency. What is efficiency? It's, you know, open threes, making threes at a high rate and getting to the rim. And, you know, if you're able to kind of take one of those away, you you got a chance to be a good defensive team. And there's different ways to do both. But, um, you know, with Rudy in there and, you know, and, and guys like, uh, you know, 
that just have a massive deterrence to it just changes the way teams want to play. They get in there, they may settle. They get in there, they might kick out to guys who, you know, are not the first shooting option. So, yeah, that's, that's something that we understand is really driving a lot of, of our defensive impact. I often wonder this, too, because we're the same age. I'm assuming you're the class of 1988, like I'm the class of 1988. So you and I have, have gone through a change in dynamic, a change, generationally speaking, of the way basketball is played here. And the traditional center when we were growing up is the non-traditional center nowadays. Does it take a little bit more to work in a guy like Rudy Gobert now that that is kind of viewed as such a non-traditional pivot or a non-traditional center in this era of basketball? I think schemat- I think like schematically, uh, you know, teams are trying to play out of tons of pick and roll, spread spread the floor, run pick and roll, create, you know, three-pointers out of it or shots at the rim. I think that is familiar with, with everybody now. What takes some time is just, you know, do you have the guys on your team that are able to throw lobs? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, can you, can you get the ball to a guy like Rudy – you know, in the most opportune spots, you know, above the rim, um, you know, at the, you know, in, 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 in and around the rim when he's able to seal again, switches. Um, so yeah, so that, that's what's taken us a little bit of time. And we've had some guys that uh, are better at it and naturally have played with, with lob threads before. Um, you know, you guys have an incredible one there and Tyrese can make every pass on the floor, but not everyone can. So it just takes a while, you know, to rep it out and practice and come, come across the different situations in the game. It's uh, Chris Fitz, the head coach of Minnesota, the Western Conference All-Star coach on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. You said after the game last night that went in Portland, it was the second of a back-to-back. When you were asked about you know you know what it what it takes to win a back-to-back, you mentioned your guys just like to play basketball. And that yeah. is a large part of that. And you can see that, too. And it's beyond the success, right? It's beyond the success of winning or hitting shots or feeling good. It's just wanting to get out there and suit up whenever you're called upon. And that is a big deal, especially in a long NBA season with a lot of these back-to-back situations like that. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and it, you know, trickles down. It's leadership. Mike Conley, uh, you know, uh, 17 years in the league, he just wants to play every night. He doesn't want to be on any kind of rest or, or load management program. Um, and that sets the tone. Like, Rudy loves to play every single night. You know, our young guys, you know, fortunately, they're, they're wired. They want to play. They love the competition. They like to be out there. Um, you know, they're not looking for nights off. And you got to manage it. And that, we have a deep team. We have, we're fortunate enough to have a deep roster. We had um, we have nine, ten, eleven. Some, you know, before the trade deadline, we had a couple guys in Shake Milton, Troy Brown, who were definitely NBA rotation players, who we just weren't able to get into our rotation. But we had uh, a lot of guys, so I think that helps too. So you're able to manage these games and these minutes in a in a healthy way without just having to park guys. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that organizationally. Our president of basketball operations, Tim Connolly's not. We don't think it's good for our organization. We don't think it's good for our young players. We don't think it's good for the league or the product overall. So we've been advocates of trying to play. And that's not to say that, you know, teams that aren't resting or aren't doing it strategically or for the right reasons, but it's become too much of a thing. And, um, you know, we're just going to try to do our thing to play every single night. You mentioned Mike Connolly, 17 years in the NBA. He is from Indianapolis and just won so much uh, at Lawrence North High School. He and Greg Oden as a part of that that particular group. What does he bring to the table besides wanting to play every night, never wanting a night off? What does that 17 years of guidance and leadership bring to your team with a great deal of youth that's a part of the winning going on there? 
Well, he's been so impactful to our young players. You always hear about these vets, right? Like you need a veteran presence on, on a team with young players, but you got to have a veteran presence who can still go out there and get it done. That's what gains the most amount of respect from a young player. Playing alongside a guy that can still get it done, but also impart the knowledge and experience that he has and teach him everything. And he's just, he's be, he, you know, I, I said this before, I'm not sure Mike came here wanting to be a leader. I mean, he is a naturally a great leader, but he – he is a, a you know, he's become an incredible um, leader for us just in his, his presence, the way he talks to our, our guys, like calm. And then, of course, he still can go out and play at a high level and his clutch performances, you know, he can just flow along in the game, make sure everything's going. And then when you need him to step up in the last four or five minutes, um, he can really just, you know, make all the plays that break the opponent's back. And when he's not been in for, or he's not played particularly well that night for, you know, whatever reason, which happens, you know, we struggle. And, um, and that's how important he is for us. And there's just many ways I can express it, but he's been everything we could have expected and more. So Chris Finch, not only the head coach of the best in the West in Minnesota, but the Western Conference all-star head coaches on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Does it make it even more gratifying? I mean, having a season that's far from complete right now, but being yeah. the coach of the Western All-Stars being here in town this weekend, for the journey that has been your career that has you know gone to Europe as a player, as a coach, and then back over here, does it make that journey even more gratifying? It, it makes it more surreal. Uh, I mean, certain, everything, every day is gratifying to me in, in this job, one of the lucky ones. Uh, I really never ever thought I'd be coaching in the NBA. It wasn't a stated goal of mine. I always thought I'd be a small college coach somewhere. Um, but just the way things have unfolded for me, I've been really lucky. Uh, and this is just one more opportunity I can't believe that I get, you know, get. I think not many times in, in your career these days where you kind of get anxious or nervous about your environment. Uh, after you've been in a lot of different situations, but this one has the, that the makings of that nervous excitement that you have, um, you know, when you walk into an, something that feels really big. Hey, I, I feel bad about asking you this because I mean, hell, your team has a game coming up tomorrow night still in Portland. But have you thought about Sunday? Do you have some scripted plays that you're going to call for these guys, or are you going to turn them loose, or what the hell happens? What's going to happen? Yeah, no, I, I, I've not thought about it a ton. I have made some phone calls to you know people around the league that I know have done it before, and you know gotten some advice. And yeah, yeah, I think it's the NBA is a player-driven, player star, a star player league, and you know I, I'm going to leave it up to them. Like, hey, give me your favorite plays, and we'll try to incorporate them. And um, you know, we have a lot of fun with the guys too. And uh, you know, I'm hoping that uh, we put on a good show. I like the fact that we returned to the East-West format. Um, I think it will infuse some natural competition, and um, I'm confident the guys will give give us a, a good a good performance on Sunday. Yeah, run a little flex motion or something like that, and just surprise <laughs> the hell out of everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking, that's 1980s basketball right there. <laughs> yeah, they go, wait a minute, what are we doing? Here? What is this again? I don't even what is huh? Right. So yeah, I got to move twice on this play. You're telling me? <laughs> wait, I don't go up and set a high ball screen. I, I seriously, I don't <laughs> jump pass. What am I allowed to do here? I don't know. So. Yeah. I um I did want to ask you this because you're a basketball 
all lifer and you've been through so many different generations of that, certainly. Um, where is basketball today compared to how much has it changed since you were playing early stages as a coach? And do you like the way that it has changed, both in the way that is played and the way that it is officiated with the rules? Um, well, it's changed a lot. I think you know, we covered some of that with, you know, talking about the the evaporation of the low post play. I mean, that's, when we were growing up, you know, that's kind of where it all started. Um, I do like where the game is at because I love the amount of skill that's in the game right now at all positions. I mean, skilled bigs are I – mean, these guys are incredible to watch. You know, um, everybody has them. If you have them, you can – they become like an offensive micro system. You can just run everything through them. Um, but I will say what I do miss a little bit, the game's become quite homogeneous. You know, you just – everyone's playing some version of the same style. It's one thing I do like, you know, about our our lineup. We, You know, we, we, we're we big. We play big. We try to stay big. We will post you up. But, you know, we still try to play some modern, analytically-driven basketball too, spread you out. Uh, we, we try to be a hybrid according to what our personnel allows. Um, but I, even in Europe and, and around the world, like you used to be able to tell like, Hey, a Serbian team played like this, a German team played like that. Uh, Spanish team played with a bunch of flair, you know, and, uh, and like, like that's gone somewhat, you know, everyone kind of plays the same version. So I do miss that, but I think that's a result of just all this skill now. And of course, you know, the anal- analytics in the game, like once you know these things to be true and, you can't unknow them. Efficient basketball is efficient basketball, and people are going to trend to that now. Yeah, and, and not oftentimes you're going to call call plays back in the 80s and the 90s where you drive it up the floor and uh, get past the hash mark and go ahead and shoot it. Just do it. Put it up. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> shot, shots that people value now. and Yes. You know, Steph Curry's made, you know, uh, famous. Like, we weren't allowed to take those shots in high school. No. <laughs> No, well, I mean, in stepping stepping into it, I mean, the, yeah. these these they're not quite layups, but they, I mean, it, it they're easy shots when you know they come by surprise and there's not much of, of a closeout on you right there. So, and, and that's what everybody's learning. It is amazing, but you're right about the talent level, and you're going to be coaching that up coming up here in town on Sunday. Chris Finch is the head coach of Minnesota or Western Conference All Star head coach. Now, when you see Michael Grady, make sure you tell him that I just talked to a guy in Indy that has a, a hell of a lot better jump shot than you do, okay? Make sure you tell him that. I will do. We love Michael, man. He's been awesome for us no. since he came come on board. He is a terrific dude. Hey, uh, the best of luck to you again tomorrow against Portland, and uh, have a great time here in Indianapolis in the weekend, Chris. We appreciate you. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, Chris Finch, the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I love that conversation. Loved it. Man, good basketball stuff. I just sit back and soak it all up. Quick break. We'll come back. Speaking of soaking it all up, Chris Denary from Canada is going to join us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
The Ride with JMV. Thank you for your support. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, we're going to soak this one up right here, James. Turn it up. I'll go crazy. By God, I'll go insane. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. We celebrate with slow jam reentries or love song reentries for the ladies all afternoon. Chris Finch, the head coach of Minnesota and the Western Conference All Star coach, was outstanding a moment ago. That will be up on a pod. And I tell you, basketball to me is always going to be different because I just want to hear from a variety of people their experiences. And when you get the opportunity, and this for the first time, to talk to a coach like that, I I just try to ask as quickly as possible a question and then get right to the listening. That's really good. Uh, their team, by the way, is really good, too. I, the back-to-back, when he talked about, it, you know what? To be successful in the back-to-back, there are a lot of things that play into it, but just wanting to play, loving to play no matter what, and that's how he described Mike Conley. Never wanted to come out. 17-year vet, never wants a night off. And uh, is their leader. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of leadership, leadership value, Valley Sports, Indiana. You can find him later on tonight. He and Quinn and JJ, along with Eddie Gill, Toronto, getting ready for the Raptors and the Pacers. Chris Denary joins us now. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Jamie? Outstanding. I just talked to, to Chris Finch, and I'm assuming you probably have before, you guys have before. I, I love talking to basketball coaches like that. I mean, it's just great. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no question. I mean, that's that's the thing I love uh, about the job that I have. Uh, you know, I mean, around sure, it all the time. Pacers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do Pacers games, and we want the Pacers to win. No question. But uh, we're also part of a bigger brand, the NBA. And you know, I've done this for 18 years now. Had a chance uh, to really travel the world with coaches and uh, people, front office people, and uh, leadership from the NBA. And you're right. There are so many great stories. Uh, There's no cookie-cutter way uh, that you become a head coach in the NBA. And uh, Chris Finch, uh, he definitely uh, found a different route, and he's been highly successful. And and to your point about Mike Conley, I mean, when you have leadership like that, I mean, that has galvanized their team. They are a different franchise uh, because of the addition of Mike Conley. Yeah, no question about that. Kristen Aries in Toronto. Final game before the All-Star break features the Pacers and the Raptors coming up later on tonight. Uh, help me sort out, because you were there and you were calling it on Monday. What what the hell did we witness on Monday in Charlotte? What was that? I'd say a bad performance. Uh, you know, coming off uh, what I thought was a really good win on Saturday in New York. Um you know, and I did say I, it, it's a much different Charlotte team that they faced, and and you've got to respect the fact that you know they brought in some veterans. Uh, Grant Williams, Seth Curry, sort of has a point to prove, and uh, I just didn't think you know the Pacers you know played well enough to win, and you know, it's almost like they, at halftime they had the one point lead, and maybe they thought, okay, you know we'll turn it on, you know as we, as we have during the year. Third, they've been the, one of the best third quarter teams in the NBA. And that just didn't happen. And then in the fourth quarter, uh, they were only down a point going to the fourth, but they never let. They could never gain control of that game. And so, yeah, highly disappointing. 
Uh, I think the players were very disappointed in themselves. Uh, Dustin DePirac had in the star that uh, before the coaches uh, got with them, they had, you know, they met as a group and um, highly disappointed with that performance. So uh, hopefully a better one tonight. Um, this will be, uh, you know, an interesting game from the standpoint that uh, right now, Miles Turner is questionable due to illness. Benedict Matherin also ill. Um, so it was sort of a light group at shoot around. Uh, there probably were more media people coming in after the fact uh, because of the return of Pascal Siakam tonight. So that that's going to really be center stage. Uh, you know, Siakam's playing his 15th game as a pacer. He played well over 500 with Toronto and helped them win a title. So that's going to be a real storyline tonight, the return of Pascal Siakam. There he is, Chris Denary, the voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana, coming at you later on tonight. That tip time's at 7, uh, 6.30, right? 6.30, you guys are? No, what time is the game tonight? 7. 7. 7.30 yeah, game. 7.30 yeah, game. game. 7, Peter yeah. Knight. Yeah. Make sure I got that going. Chris Denary, who joins us now. Um, yeah, you mentioned Matherin, too. Matherin, to me, the other night looked more more than sick. He missed all four of his shots, and I'm sure you guys noticed everything was absolutely front rim. Everything was front. There was a lot of signs there, whether you got an ache and a pain going on in the lower extremities, you're sick, or you just don't have that normal level, level of energy. That's exactly how he looked Monday. Yeah, because he had come in uh, prior to the game uh, in New York, uh, you know, he had played pretty well. He had about a four-game stretch where he was averaging 20 points, and he missed a game because he was sick. And he's not really recovered from that, and he also uh, sprained his ankle. So he just – you're right. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, tries to battle through things and uh, just didn't look himself. I mean, he had no burst. I mean, he's a guy that usually is good for two, three, four baskets, you know, right around the rim, and he just had no ability to get there. So – uh, you know, it was one of the poor performances all year by the bench. Uh, yeah. I mean, the bench got badly outscored by Charlotte, and this has been the number one bench in the NBA. But you had Matherin struggling. You don't have Jalen Smith. Uh, you just, you know, they're trying to get Doug McDermott going. He he has not, you know, made a shot yet. But I think that'll change. I mean, I, I'm sure Doug's pressing a little bit, um, you know, after the trade and, and, and trying to make good things happen. But I'm very confident that uh, – He'll turn the corner, and hopefully that's tonight. Has this looked like a team that is in need of a little time off here for this all-star break to you? I, I think so. I mean, just from the standpoint that, John, when you if you take a step back and, and look at the whole season, you know, where they are right now, uh, they're 30 and 25. Uh, they're back in sixth in the Eastern Conference, though they're just a half game ahead of both Miami and Orlando. And I think as the season started, uh, you know, you weren't sure what to expect. You thought they'd be better than last year, and they clearly are. They have a much better record through 55 games than they had last year. And, and, and from the standpoint that they're, they were much better uh, this year when Tyrese Halliburton was out than last year. Because remember, uh, when he got hurt in New York last year, they proceeded to lose 9 of 10. This year in the 13 games that he's missed, they're 7 and 6. So that's a vast improvement. But, I, you know, it, it, you have highs and lows in this season. And uh, they had an extreme high during that run uh, to the in-season tournament championship game with the Lakers. Uh, they had a later run where they won 9 of 10. Uh, so, But I think if you look at it in totality, and I heard your interview with Chad Buchanan on Monday, is I think they feel pretty good where they are. 
but they know they have a lot of work to do. And it'd be really nice to get this win tonight and then have five to seven days where you can recharge and then get ready for the second half of the season, though it's only 26 games that starts with a four-game homestand. So uh, I think all in all, I I think it's been a really, really good year. Um, Have they bettered expectations? Hard to know because I think this has always been a a group that wants to get to the playoffs. Uh, But uh, we'll we'll find a lot out, you know, once we return from the All-Star break because those final 26 games – this team has a chance to, to to get back to the postseason, and that's what they want to do. A lot of these games, and I know you've had guys that have been out, and you know people will suggest the the acclimation process with that trade, and you know Halliburton coming back, so on and so forth. But the one thing also that has has stood out to me, the trade of Buddy Heald, obviously, also another standout here. But the thing that also has occurred to me is they looked so good. A lot of times against good teams, for example, like four or five from Milwaukee, when that ball is popping around, when it is moving, it just seems as of late it is getting stuck. And also to me, as of late, what they were doing to teams like Milwaukee earlier, and Giannis mentioned it twice, I think, in two losses, uh, four of those losses, twice he said, you know what, I just ran out of gas. We just ran out of gas. And they were running people seemingly off the floor with those young legs it looks to me like they have tired legs and the ball offensively sticks a hell of a lot more right now than it did earlier this season. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, I look back at the New York game on Saturday. I thought they looked like the Pacers of old, right? They scored 125 points. Uh, you know, they had a solid second half. Halliburton had 22 points and 12 assists. And I, I thought the ball really moved, and, and you're right to that point. I think you know, one of the things is is different teams are defending Tyrese a little bit differently, and this team um, has not been as efficient getting out in fast break situations as as they were earlier in the year. And and part of that is on the Pacers, but part of that is the way teams are adapting and in, in how they handle making sure uh, you know that, that they get back in transition because that's where the Pacers are so effective. So uh, I think all of that is true. Um, I, I, I think it, the scores have been a lot lower. I mean, they've tried to be better defensively, and if you look at the numbers over the last 25 games, they are better defensively. Through the first 25 or so games, they were dead last in points allowed and field goal percentage and, and defensive rating. And through the last 25-plus games, they're right around 17 or 18. But that's also come with the offense declining a little bit. So it's a little bit of a, a give-and-take, John. Uh, from from that standpoint, and um, you know, I, I think they'll they'll look at things uh, through the first 56 games, and when they come back, you know, we'll see you know how things change uh, from that standpoint starting next week. Yeah, and that's the one thing. And Kristen Neri joins us. We talked about is I right, their defense their defense is better, but it doesn't have a high ceiling to get much better. At least I don't think that it is right now with this particular personnel where they are again presently. However, the one thing you couldn't really see would be a not so subtle drop offensively. And I kind of live, again, by the mantra with this team that if you don't score 110, you ain't going to win kind of thing right now. And we saw that the other night in Charlotte, obviously. It just seems like you can't lose a level of offensive play that they have because that is going to impact, obviously, 
not being able to stop teams as much as you want. But, I mean, hell, you looked the other night, it wasn't like 111, I think, Charlotte put up on the board. So that's a good defensive night for the Pacers yeah. on most nights. It was, and they shot it well, too. It was just a, like a volume issue, it felt like, offensively. It wasn't a percentage issue as much as it was a volume scoring issue. No, I think you're right. I mean, I'm looking at the sheet here. They shot 51% yeah. from the field. Uh, they only had 11 turnovers, and that only led to 11 Charlotte points. In fact, the Hornets had 19 turnovers, and the Pacers scored 19 off those. But they were only 8 of 30 from three-point range. And, and you know, you're going to win. This team is going to win very few games when they do that now. I look back at the in-season tournament when they played Milwaukee and Vegas. They shot it very poorly from three-point range, but Milwaukee gave up a ton of points. So uh, this team's got to be a better three-point shooting team. They're still fourth in the league at uh, 38%. So uh, over the course of the year, they've been a real good three-point shooting team. But on a night like Monday night, they've got to make more three-point shots because that really hampered you – uh, you know, you're always going to take three for two, and uh, the Pacers didn't make enough threes on Monday night. No, did not. So um, you mentioned, Chris, the return for the first time in a different uniform for Pascal Siakam. And, you know, the I guess the media that was there a little bit earlier today, how was he embraced in Toronto? Uh, I think they love him. And, you know, there are a lot of fans, if you go to social media, very disappointed that uh, he's no longer in Toronto. I mean, when practice was over and they opened up, you know, for the media to come in, there were like 30 or 40 people that came uh, barreling out of the tunnel, um, all ready to talk to Pascal Siakam. They've got a tribute video tonight. Tip-off will be uh, about two to four minutes late because of – uh, what they're going to do to honor Pascal Siakam before the game. So I think he's going to get nothing but love from the Toronto crowd because of what he's accomplished in his career. And, uh, you know, you look at his numbers, John, um, over the first 14 games, he's averaging 22-7-5. and And if you look over the last three years, there are five players that average 23 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. One of those is Siakam. The other four are Luka, LeBron, Giannis, and Jokic. I mean, that tells you uh, the type of numbers that Pascal Siakam was putting up in Toronto, and it's the type of numbers he's putting up with the Pacers here through his first 14 games. It's uh, Chris Denary. He's the voice of the Pacers, Bally Sports TV, coming at you later on tonight. 7.30, the tip. 7 p. your coverage begins from Toronto. So, responsibilities? For All-Star Weekend, do you have any? Are you going to be able to enjoy it? Are you going to take some time off? What's happening? Yeah, I have a little of both. Uh, tomorrow night at the uh, opening tip-off celebration, uh, Quinn Buckner and I will be a part of that at Bicentennial Unity Plaza. A uh, number of Pacers uh, alumni will be in town, and, and so that's going to be a great event tomorrow night. That's that's the tip-off uh, to the to the whole weekend, and then I'll be out and about. Uh, I understand you're doing a show on Sunday now. Yeah, you want to join me? Uh, I, I, I talked to John Griffin earlier today, and uh, I'll look forward to, <laughs> to heading downtown and, yeah. and, and joining you. Um, I think I'm going to uh, All-Star Saturday night. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I've got some grandson duties uh, during this time. But, uh, you know, try to do a little bit of both. Enjoy uh, the All-Star festivities, but also – uh, enjoy a little bit of time off because uh, once we come back, it's 26 games in, you know, a little over a little over two months. 
Um, and, and so we'll be ready to go. It is a sprint to the finish, without a doubt here, and hopefully uh, the Pacers pick it up and uh, get a little bit more consistency, though. But no, join me on Sunday. That'd be great. Three until five, winner's circle. You could be there, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm planning on it. I don't know I don't know if you need me the whole time, but I'll definitely stop. Oh, hell, just stay the entire time. Yeah, we'll just we'll <laughs> hang out there, throw back some beverages, do what we normally do on a on a Sunday. I I um I absolutely love what's going on here. I do. And obviously going back to when I was 15 in 1985, I wasn't up here at the time to attend any of the all-star events, but it has changed so dramatically and there is so much going on. And you know, what's funny about it, Chris, is that we, we talk about it and really everybody talks about this event as it being just commonplace. Oh, there's all this going on and how, you know, how are you going to handle this and how are you going to handle that? And there's never a worry around here because they they have done it all to this point and everything always works out smashingly, which is exactly what we expect for this weekend. Yeah, our city just uh, hits everything out of the park. Uh, You know, many, many, many years ago when I worked at Butler, I was involved in in Final Fours and first and second rounds. And so I understand all of the work and the detail that goes into this and how many people uh, with Pacer Sports and Entertainment, uh, led by Rick Fusen and, and soon to be Mel Raines, uh, the Sports Corporation, just everybody that that puts this together. Um, and, you know, so many national people have been here for Super Bowl and the Combine and the Indianapolis 500 and everything that our city does. Uh, there's no question this is uh, this is going to be something that a lot of cities in the future will try to match, and I'm not sure they'll be up uh, to what Indi- uh, Indianapolis can do. So Chris Denary with us again, 7.30 the tip, 7 o'clock. Your coverage begins with the Pacers and the Raptors, the final one before the uh, All-Star break coming up here. Chris can join us again coming up on Sunday when we're live at the Winner's Circle having a good time as well. All right, well, hopefully they go out and get it. I do agree with the assessment. You get this tonight and you don't have to jack with worrying about you know losing back-to-back like that going into this yeah. All-Star weekend. You can enjoy it a little bit more, can you not? Oh, no question. No question. And it's interesting, John, because, you know, I always worry about teams the way they're playing. And and I went into that game in Charlotte. They had snapped a 10-game losing streak by beating Memphis. They had all this energy with all these new players, and that's what proved to be the factor. Tonight, you have a Toronto team that is desperate. I mean, they've gotten blown out their last two games. They made all these changes. Uh, You know, how do they come out? Uh, So, um, yeah, I'm sure that – for this Pacers team, absolutely they want to win it so that they can improve their record, but they also want to win it for Pascal Siakam. So uh, there, there's a lot at play tonight, and it will be a very interesting watch. All right. We'll be watching later on tonight, and then I'll uh, catch you on Sunday for that special Sunday right. show here downtown. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, John. It's uh, Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. Yeah, I did see this as we were talking. We went back-to-back interviews with Chris Finch, uh, the head coach of the West All-Stars, and the Minnesota Timberwolves head coach, and then Chris Denary, that during the celebration in Kansas City for their Super Bowl win, uh, this was uh, from Channel 13, a fire official told the AP that 8 to 10 people were shot during this afternoon's Super Bowl parade in Kansas City. 
Um, as to the reason, I don't know. Um, and this is a new one. NBC News reporting this again, courtesy of Channel 13 on their uh, social media platform on X. At least one person was killed while nine others were injured in the shooting during this afternoon's Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Two people have been detained. Uh, Patrick Mahomes sends out on X praying for Kansas City. This apparently went down, according to Kansas City police officials, around with the parade and the large, um, the large crowd, obviously celebrating the Super Bowl win around what is called Union Station in Kansas City. Is what happened. And again, that that report, according to NBC News, at least one person killed while nine others injured in the shooting during this afternoon's Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. Authorities in Kansas City, evidently, too, according to NBC, have detained two people regarding the situation. Uh, We will uh, keep you updated. All right, quick break, and we shall return. Got me and you. If you're on hold, I'll get to you coming up on the other side, too. Uh, Indiana State last night, obviously, gave you my thoughts on that. Butler last night, thoughts on that too. Pacers tonight and an all-star weekend here in Indy that we will talk about as well. Bourbon and Beyond tickets, you know, actually that is for the entire weekend of events down there. It's not like we're just slapping on some tickets and there you go. The entire weekend. I believe it's a weekend, right? Like a four, three, four-day period. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. four-day passes. Mm. Yeah. Four-day passes for Bourbon and Beyond. I'll tell you what to listen up for coming up in just a bit. We also celebrate Valentine's Day with our slow jam for the ladies' re-entries. Happy Valentine's Day to you as well. Inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio. Back with you on the phones next. 93.5107 by The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Slow jammery entries. Uh, this one, very much like the JMV takeover, all requests Saturday night right here. A re-entry request from John Stewart, who wanted to hear Babyface. Then whip appeal. 
Now, Babyface is going to be a part of the extravaganza this weekend around here, too. Babyface, I- I've tried for years to get him on the show. There has to be somebody out there that can convince him that I'm not the biggest dork in the world, and it would be a fascinating conversation. Somebody has to have that level of pull. Seriously, it's been George Brett and Babyface. Just swinging and missing consistently. Somebody has to have that type of pull. Anybody out there? Babyface? Like, I'm ready for this right now. He could call in right now. I'll be ready to go. Ready to go right now. Yeah, I did see this news a little bit earlier, too, out of the Big Ten, where guard Ty Berry of Northwestern, meniscus tear, he is done for the rest of the season. Next up for IU, that's Sunday against Northwestern, but Ty Berry was a big part of the success of that team so far this year. That is an incredible bummer. Yeah, to say the least. Uh, Ty Berry, done for the season. Yeah, also saw this where Fox is in the running to try to get the rights, the broadcast rights to IndyCar. We'll see if they get that done. 2024 IndyCar season finale will now take place at the Nashville Super Speedway Oval instead of being run as a street circuit as a part of the deal being announced today where big machine Scott Borchetta, who once upon a time sat right across from me, and I said, I've got a great country song idea. It's called uh, I Leave My Barn Door Open. I just need some lyrics. And he said, I think that's the worst song idea of all time. Literally, those words to my face. Big Machine Records, Scott Borchetta. I think that is the worst song idea of all time. I leave my barn door open. And all I needed was the lyrics. Get the title of the song. All I need my lyrics. Incredible bummer. I can't lie, I'm also bummed about that news out of Kansas City. I mean, we just <laughs> I don't have I don't have any real profound statement to be made here. We just live in a world full of dumbasses. I'm telling you. Yeah, I wish I could think of something or I had something again more profound to state right here. I just don't. Again, according to NBC News, one killed, three in critical condition, five in serious condition, one non-life-threatening injuries. Ten people shot near Kansas City Chiefs' victory parade earlier this afternoon. Again, one killed, three in critical condition, five in serious condition, uh, one non-life-threatening. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Yeah, the email address is jmv at 1075thefan.com. Yes, seriously, just a world full of dumbasses. Trying to navigate that something. I saw this too. Steve Wilkes canned 
by Kyle Shanahan as the defensive coordinator of the Niners. I think everybody was talking about how it was going to be okay. Yeah, great job. And then a couple of days later, you have time to think about it, and poof, gone. That's it. You are gone. Hey, JMV, thank you for the baby face whip appeal. If I had any pull whatsoever, if I had connections, I would get that done. However, I do not. I Listen, I have tried. I've been on the uh, air here for 19 years. And I've tried every year of the 19 to get him on. Just like George Brett and a swing and a miss. And there's really no reason for either one. I would, and, and this is not, normally I suck, but there are some things that are in my wheelhouse that I have known and have practiced and have rehearsed forever. Those two would be two of them. I know I sound like I'm knocking around most of the time, but I'd be ready for that. All right, 239-1070 is the number. Sweebo at the top of the hour. That's Kevin Bowen. My Indiana State analogy that I utilized his son, Max. It's called crapping the bed, which my sick our, our sycamores did last night. But, yeah, not angry, not salty, not upset. What have I said all along? You got to win it to be in it. I don't buy what anybody is saying, especially now. Oh, yeah, you know what? That was their one... One time where you can stumble. Yeah, no. You've got to win it to be in it. I said that before. That is even more magnified. That statement is more impactful right now. All right, Scott's at 239-1070. Scott, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for the call. Hey, buddy. It's been a while since we've talked. It's been a while. Didn't Stain sing that? It's been a while. Yeah, yeah it's Aaron Lewis right there, brother. Well done. What do you uh, got, Scott? Hey, I love me some Aaron Lewis. First of all, I want to say my condolences and thoughts and prayers with the city of Kansas City. That's oh, just, man. I don't, I mean, that's disgusting. This I, bums me out I don't so bad. Like so you. bad. I have nothing profound to say, but yeah. just. I don't, I, I, I can't that. add to it. I mean, I, I can't add to anything that hasn't already been said over and over again. And uh, sure. it's, uh, it's awful. It really is. What do you got, Scott? I got two things. One. Since college basketball, March Madness had 64 teams. If Indiana State would not have lost in the regular season, has a team that was ranked in the top 25 not made it? Um, probably not. I, I'm listen. There are a lot of scenarios where what I just said, Scott, would be literally broken down and thrown away. There's no doubt about that. I mean, yeah, if you if you did that, and I'd feel more comfortable. I just think in the position in which they're in, even before that, in the, yeah. position, in the position in which they were in, that you needed to make sure. You don't want to put that decision in somebody else's hands, especially at the hands of any committee, much less the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. And I'm sure they're all very smart, and some of them may be listening. I'm not sure, whatever. But I, I, a mid-major, even in a down year for the power conferences, I don't trust that decision-making one ounce. I don't care what the net might read. So, yeah. I you're probably, you're probably right, it. though. But, you know, and it's probably more impactful now, Scott, that they were ranked for two days. And I, check their net out, would you please? The net ranking right now, James, of Indiana State. Wonder where they went with that, with that loss to Illinois State last night. It's just, to me, you just got to continue to prove yourself. And oh, if I you're agree. Indiana State there, that's that's kind of – the tack that I have taken with this, and I'll I'll stick to it, and especially now because now you're really going to have to. One more thing, yeah. So 
I worked at Big Z's Bar and Grill uh, over on Brookville Road. Yeah. They have new owners, really amazing people. Matt and his wife just took over, uh, and he is a huge fan of yours. Huge fan. We were talking about you Friday and Saturday night, actually. I would love and to get he, over uh, there. I love going over yeah, there. He yes. Like, I, he goes, I would love to have J&B come in here. He goes, he'll roll out the red carpet for you. Yes. Do a remote. Whatever you need, he will make sure it gets done. Let's let's get the wheels in motion for that, too. Now, how long was it closed until it got the new ownership? Uh, it was a while. It was between, it used to be Bugsy's. Right. What's, uh, what's it called it now? Bigsies. Bigsies. Went from Bugsies yeah. to Bigsies. We were at the old, the former Bugsies a number of times, and it was always great. I love, because people always say, wait a minute, you never get on the east side other than going, you know, to Manly's Irish Mutt. Get to the east side more. And we always got, you know, the Warren Township people to come out, the New Pal people to come out yep. to, Wanamaker. Yep. So that was always a great spot. So let's do that again. Uh, yeah, let's get it going. Thank you. Let them know that I would love to. We'll put the wheels in motion on that, Scott. I'll let them know. Great talking to you, buddy. Right back at you, Scott. Bigsies. Indiana State net ranking. Do you have it? I believe it says here that they are ranked 28th net ranking. So they fell from 20th to 28th? Uh, that's what it looks like on this website that I'm looking at. All right, then. I don't trust it. I am downplaying it a little bit, right? It's kind of like my philosophy. You guys ever seen Kingpin? My philosophy? And I get this from Kingpin. Randy Quaid, the Amish character, remember, that was such a great bowler, and Woody Woody Harrelson, Roy, Roy Munson, thought, man, this guy's a great bowler. Look what he's bowling per game. And then, and then Randy Quaid's character, Ishmael, said, hey, you know, we bowl 15 frames. We always have to do a little bit more to prove ourselves. And that's and in this case, fictitiously speaking, that's art imitating life for me too. I always think that you know, Indiana State, for example, would have to do more than what others would do to prove themselves. And the only foolproof way to do that is to win it. So now the thing I was bummed about last night, what's really going to bum me out with Indiana State, is if all right, so you don't shoot well, then that's it. You're just screwed. Nothing else. Can't do anything else. Nothing else. You go seven or thirty-seven. That's all? That's all you got? So I'm going to turn it off when you guys aren't shooting well? That's what I want to see. I don't want to see them, and I know that there's a, there's a lot of that dimension that leads to a lot of teams, not just Indiana State, winning results, knocking down the three. I'm a lover of the three. But I want to see them be more than just that. And then I want to see them be much more than what their coach now twice in the last month has described them as being entitled. I want to see that have an effect. Jay's up next at 239-1070. Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, John. How's it going today? Jay, I'm great. You going to call in on Saturday night, Jay? I sure am. I may play, um, what should I play for you? You always. I might play Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Yes, Eddie Murphy. We'll give you a Larceny Bourbon double shot with Rick James, who produced that song for Eddie Murphy, too. Rick James and Eddie Murphy will do that. Cool. Well, I send my prayers out to the people in Kansas City, to all the victims involved and their families. That is very sad. It's awful. It is terrible and uh, 
Yeah. That's, and and yeah. I just heard about the news about Steve Wilkes being fired by the 49ers. He was fired by Kyle think, Shanahan. He announced that during a conference call today. I think the special teams coach should have been fired because they missed an extra point and they muffled that punt. You can make an argument that their head coach could have been fired because the players evidently didn't know the rules. <laughs> so we have overtime. Right. No, you're not going to fire think, him. I'm not suggesting he's if, fired. If Dre Greenlaw stays healthy, I think they win that game. That um, that was weird, too, by the way. And that you, was weird. Pro- I, I don't know if – even a player like him would be the difference in stopping, for example, that tidal wave that is uh, right. Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, right. it, it certainly didn't help. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, John. I'll talk to you Saturday Jay, night. Jay, you call on Saturday night, and we'll get you Rick James and Eddie Murphy. Did you tell me I needed a break? That's why I'm going to take another call. Mike's at 239-1070. I know. Sorry, James. I'm just a blank. Sorry about that. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Mike, are you there? JMV, what's happening? Mike, I'm being a jerk to James right here. My oh, apologies, man. James. Yeah, I know. I'm calling from I'm calling from Greene County, right? No, um, you're not. Where are you in Greene County right I, now? I'm I'm leaving Greene County, actually. Um, I, I live in Indy. I'm a traveling sales rep, and my last stop's in Greene County. I was in uh, the spot. It's in Bloomfield. Oh, yeah, tavern. Bloomfield, the spot. Used to be owned by uh, the Sherrard family. Mike Sherrard's a good friend of mine. I don't think they still own it. Roger right. Sherrard used to be the owner of the spot, and a long time ago, they used to sit a pizza king right there, too. I love me some Bloomfield, even if I got sucker punched at their dance once upon a time when I was a sophomore. I got sucker punched. They're a different breed down there, for sure. Son of a gun, sucker punched me right there, right in the grill. Who's the mayor of Greene County? Is there a Greene County mayor? Um, There might be a commissioner, and I think he just gets a lot of money, goes out and tells people what they want to hear, and then doesn't follow through with it. I think that's normally what happens, yeah. We've got a politics, uh, like the Greene County flying home of JMV, you know? Yeah, there's nothing at Eastern. There's, I mean, you wouldn't even know. You passed by sure. Eastern. I, you wouldn't even know that I, I attended that school. Yeah, that, that's probably JMV. That's probably how they want it, honestly, Mike. So, yeah. yeah. Get him the hell out of here. Man, right. We don't well, want to advertise um, this jackass as ever being a part of this school. So, yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, with the Pacers, man, we're, like you said, we're used to the bottom falling out. Um, and I can't help but that. I don't want to get my hopes up with this team because – we don't want to hear about how we can't play without Halliburton. Halliburton don't want to hear it. It, it, it may turn into a mental thing. You know, um, the players don't want to hear it. You definitely don't want to talk about it. No, the fans don't right. want to. Right. But will that make it a mental thing? And this because Halliburton's going to be here for the next few years. We don't need this being a thing every time he goes down. You well, know, um, the one thing we brought up here, too, to be completely honest with you, Mike, is I mentioned to Chris the ball sticking offensively. We have noticed, right, that the ball has stuck a lot more with Siakam, and you're about mm-hmm. ready to hand him over a great deal of money. I'm assuming everybody is sure. I'm just pointing out that the ball sticking behavior has been more evident and you can make a lot of excuses for, you know, injuries and, you know, getting together and getting on the same page, what have you. But the ball has stuck a lot more offensively than it was free-flowing earlier this season, it seemed, mm-hmm. since that deal. Just yeah. just saying, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Do you think he's better than one of the best free agents we've ever had via trade? Um, I think he's, he's got to be. I, I, think, I think potentially 
If he turns out to be what they hope, um, you could put him as far as a deal like that, as impactful as as anybody else. I, I don't know. It just depends on what he ends up doing. I, I'm still kind of in, in the bummer basement after Monday night and that right, crappy. Right, because we're used to the bottom game, falling so. out. So if you're a Pacer fan, you got to be used to it. It's happened before. You just got to kind of suck it up and just deal with it. But I, maybe one day they're low. Yeah, I tell you what, um, like I used to do this all the time in Greene County. And thank you, Mike. I think Mike is Mike gone right there. Mike, thank you for the call. Enjoy Greene County. Hey, just stop on the side of the road and urinate like I used to all the time. <laughs> hey, hold on. I got to go. Greene County. I'm going to go ahead and break now, James. James is all salty over there. He was giving me the break signal. You guys are watching via YouTube Live, the AAA Membership Lounge. This is what James does. This is what I do. This is what James does, right? I do this. James does this. This means break. This means me on Valentine's Day. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. This may be on your Valentine's Day playlist tonight. Maybe even the wedding song for our next guest. Let's see. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. From the morning show, we affectionately reference as Sweebo. That's uh, Andy Sweeney and Kevin Bowen. Morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Kevin Bowen joins us. So, uh, Silk and Freak Me, was that your wedding song? No. Our... um our wedding song was Leon Bridges Beyond. It's actually our fifth year, uh, five year wedding anniversary on Friday, John. Is it really? Well, happy anniversary. Happy, you're going to like play a little river band for happy anniversary, baby. Got you <laughs> on my mind. What did you say? Lloyd Bridges? No, Leon Bridges. Leon, no. Leon Bridges. I, I, I you, yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd Christmas there. Uh, I think you've heard the song. At least once you hear it, I think you'll know yeah, it. Let's see. What's it called again? Leon Bridges Beyond. No, crank that up. In honor of our good friend Kevin Bowen and the upcoming anniversary. Here we go. Did you feel uncomfortable when this was playing? Um, I was just focused on uh, not tripping and when could I get my next drink and how how quickly could this end. Who chose this? Was that you? Uh, no, I, I, I think it was a somewhat mutual decision. I think we had it narrowed down to, like, I don't know, a couple songs, and we both enjoyed that. So, yes. um, yeah, I don't think it was more of like, you know, you, this will be the song that, yeah. you will listen, that you will dance to. You know, it's funny. I I did when I first got out of college. I did a lot of uh, of uh, wedding DJs, and I did it in and around Bloomington. And it always seemed like that this was the most common song played for a wedding song. 
recognize this? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. It got to a point it was so frequent that I said, if you want to hear this, I'm not playing it. All right, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Now, what if they what if they gave you a DJ's choice? What would you have gone? Oh well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something like hip hip hop slow jam, like Freak Me or Knocking Boots or you know Comforter by Shy. Yeah, something maybe from uh, Boys to Men on Bend and Knee. I'll make love to you. Something like that. Something that kind of sets the mood a little bit more than a crotchety guy telling you about it's a marvelous night for a moon dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're thinking nine months ahead here. You, you I, aren't thinking you yeah, know, I know. in the old present trying to appease the older generation <laughs> sitting at table three. Nope, no, I agree. Hey, happy anniversary to you and Maddie, which is uh, coming you. up. Yeah, not a lot of people decide to have that wedding in the wintertime, too. Well, Whose it, choice was that? Yeah, that was our older brother got married in the winter, and it went pretty well. Um, we actually had really good weather. Honestly, it was kind of a day like today, you know, just getting that, you know, barely in the 50s, and it was sunny. But I, I, I love it now. I'm thinking to myself, gosh, you kill two birds with one stone, have a Valentine's Day, and wedding anniversary two days later, you don't have to you know, go above and beyond for either of them. So, yeah, I'm actually a huge I, – I, I couldn't – I mean, unless you get horrible weather, I couldn't re- recommend it more. Plus, I felt like I was at the age, John, where you had so many weddings, like, in the summer that – I felt like a lot of my friends really looked forward to like, oh, yeah, we've been trapped inside all winter. Boom, here's a chance to go out and yeah. uh, have a great night. Hey, uh, do you know the story? Your partner is a Sweebo. That's uh, Andy Sweeney. you know the story of, of their wedding? Um, I don't. They got I they do. got married in front of a Taco Bell in Sellersburg. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. That's not true. <laughs> for a split I'll tell you, hey, I swear it. to you, it's 100% true. And for, there's a Taco Bell right off of 65, right as you get ready to go into Sellersburg. And and uh, Andy thought that that would be a hell of a place to get married. Well, I thought you were going to maybe say, yo, doesn't Fuzzy Zeller have a nice golf course down there, beautiful you know, venue there, yeah. covered bridge, I feel like. I feel like I was there one time when they had a wedding there. Um, yeah, gosh, the amount of jokes you take at fellow Southern Indiana, um, I guess it takes one to, yes, to know one there. Yes, it does, so. because that's about as many times 10 that's been lobbed at me all time so yes i i know that to be true hey hey kev I, we're, we're having fun and talking but i i do want to get to the serious subject of what went down again in kansas city a little bit earlier today 10 people shot uh, near the kansas city chiefs victory parade uh, one killed three critical five in serious condition one non-life-threatening that is the latest according to nbc news and uh I didn't know how else to put it there. I have no profoundness or profoundness in this statement whatsoever other than we just live in a world of dumbasses, and here we go again. I, mean, I don't know what else to say at this point. I wish I did. I wish I had the words. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it just absolutely sucks. And, you know, when so much of this, John, happens of events that, you know, memories for a lifetime. You know, when you think about you know, probably people in our market and, you know, if they're diehard Colts fans and – you know, what the parade meant to them or just what in general, you know, those things. I mean, how it happens at concerts, it happens. I mean, you just go to the groceries. I mean, whatever. But, you know, when you talk about happy moments, whether it's a Super Bowl parade or, again, going to a concert or, you know, sporting events, things like that. Um, and you just you just have to live in fear. It sucks. Yeah, just absolutely horrifying. And, 
again, not to go down, you know, a, a deeper path with this, but I remember feeling this a few years ago. I think it was right around when the um, Noblesville Middle School shooting occurred. I remember I was out of the track that day, and it was kind of like mid-May, and, and I, I remember thinking about that and then leaving the track that day and listening you know, to the radio and hearing more and more info about it and thinking to myself, well, if there's an old, the, the, the smallest of small silver linings here, is at least it's close to the end of the school year. So those children or parents, and at that time, I, I don't even think I had Rosie been born yet. They don't have to live in fear of their kids going to school where, again, sadly, inevitably, this happens way too often. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't have many profound words outside of that. Yeah, I don't. Horrifying and sickening. Uh, I wish I could. I, I just I wanted to get everybody updated on on that terrible situation coming out of Kansas City with uh, that breaking news of the past uh, last hour and a half. Uh, that has been uh, on ongoing right there. Kevin Bowen of the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. There is no adequate transition to be made right here. Um, but we're forced to because we do do a sports show here, and we will do it. I heard you guys talking this morning. Um, there is no way, shape, or form Indiana State has a chance right now as an at-large. No way. After last <laughs> night losing to that YMCA team. There's no way. <laughs> I, I I would tend to agree, but did you see they only dropped to 28th in the math that, for what yeah. it's worth? Yeah, who's doing that? It's like I'm doing that math. Well, sure, but I mean, you'd sign up for that math. I mean, no, I, I, I yeah, I would. I don't trust. Would've... I don't trust committees, Kev. I never have and never will. I'm a non-committee, non-board truster. Is that fair of yeah. me? Well, and especially when you're talking about this committee in this day and age of college athletics, where I just think inevitably they're going to side with the power schools um, when they're filling out that that bracket. And yeah, I think what really hurts Indiana State is you, you don't you, you don't have I think the first metric they look at, which again for a mid major to have the great great wins is difficult, but you know they lack that you know whatever quad one quad two, and now they have the thing that I feel like they point to as the most glaring of do you have a bad loss and last night was just an awful awful loss on on every level home uh ymca team i believe is how you described them yes uh, yes 13 points they were just yeah. as bad to be honest with you you see the the three-point shooting in the first half two of 26 seriously yeah. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I, I, I would feel confident i could drop kick two of 26 up there in the basket <laughs> I would, I would say we might need to do that in the uh, try it. one basement here. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have one said these, that. Uh, <laughs> one of these nights, um, I was watching it. You know, Brendan King was on the call. We had him on yesterday. And, at, well, at some point in the second half, he goes, and that's the second made three of the game. And I was watching it kind of off and on. I'm like, that can't be right. You know, like, he had to have meant, like, second made three of the half. And sure enough, you open up the box score, and it's like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I mean, Illinois State was terrible from three. And, I mean, the only I, – I thought they would have fallen a lot more in the net. I'm trying to think, like, if Drake runs the table, they run the table, Drake beats them in a last-second shot, you know, in Arch Madness. I mean, I, I know I'm getting way ahead of things. But what, just honestly, with the product last night and, – and you know this, John, they played with fire a couple of games here in the last – Oh, game. yeah. Well, but Josh Schertz, he mentioned last night an entitled team. He mentioned that to me about three weeks ago after that, yeah. that near miss at Belmont down in Nashville. He said the same thing. And the fact he had to bring that up a month later, somebody that's on that floor, somebody in that locker room that's a player needs to stand up and say enough is enough because you're right. They have not played up. 
most of the time to those expectations that they set for themselves. Right, and I bring that up to be like, I, I don't think it's a guarantee that they just run the table, obviously, uh, even even though their schedule, I know Saturday is probably their most difficult game the rest of the way, but it's not like they're playing, you know, the Drakes and the Belmonts and the Bradleys of the world um, the rest of the season. So, yeah, I, I, I hated seeing that, um, and obviously they'll be sweating it out unless they can, you know, win those three games in four days coming up. Uh, here in a few weeks. Yeah, and uh, the three-point shooting. I, I just I, I want to see them. All right, so you're not shooting it well from distance. Do you have anything else in your bag? And clearly, last night right. they didn't. So that's problematic, right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, boy, the the two-point numbers were ugly as well. Um, yeah, yeah it, it just wasn't a good. And I know bench has been a question. You know, how deep can you go into that? I'm thinking. Well, you know, the beauty of it is. You know, for the most part, it's not like you're playing a ton of back-to-backs outside of the conference tournament. You obviously don't do that in the in the tournament. But you know, I, I was getting way ahead of myself, and yeah, it'll be a it'll be an usher-like sweat for the Sycamores on Sunday of Selection Sunday, unless they're able to win the Moval. Yeah, you know that sweat that was like me. We used to uh, go to Bloomington, obviously, on dates when I was in high school. That was me trying to get home just in time with a date after eating at Chi-Chi's. That was the type of sweat, uh, uh, reminiscent of me. I thought, okay, can I make it home, or do I need to stop and run in the woods like I'm being attacked by a hornet? What should I do? The Mount Rushmore of sports sweaters. You've got you know, Bruce Furl, Sean Miller, uh, I guess Usher after Sunday night up there, and then uh, – Put up there, John, uh, John Michael Vincent up there as well. One of the great moments, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but watch it sometime because there are some, especially television-wise, uh, there are some things that hold true today. Watch the film from 1987 called Broadcast News. Broadcast News. And, and see Albert Brooks anchor the weekend national news and get uh, a case of the flop sweats. And this sweat all over. It's just so awesome. Just a great scene. And I know you do TV over at Wish, and I would watch you if I had Wish in the last five years. I'd be glad to watch you. But because um, I have direct TV, have you ever been uh, attacked by a case of the flop sweats when you're on yeah. TV? Honestly, um, so earlier this year, I want to say it was one of the times the Colts played, not that they played a lot, but I think Colts had a Saturday game, one of those games this year. And so we were doing the Sunday show that next morning. And usually my two segments are like 1130 and 1140. So I get into my car at like 1105. I only live like 15 minutes from Wish. I get in my car like at 1105. And the producer texts me. He's like, hey, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting in my car. He's like, you're on in like four minutes. I'm like, oh, you know, obviously, you know, let out a word that I won't say here. Yeah. And I mean, all of a sudden I start sweating like no other. And then you get in the studio. So I totally miss. And this is live TV. I totally miss the first segment. I walk in with like 90 seconds to go for my next hit. So like I'm putting on my mic. I'm kind of in scramble mode. And you know this, those lights are kind of hot in there as well. And so all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, Dear Lord, I've not sweat this much in years, and there I am trying to, you know, wipe my brow, and I'm like, wait, I don't want that to show up on camera. So, yeah, I was literally, um, yeah, I look like Usher, frankly. I was uh, doing a weekend sunrise. Was there a couple of different times on weekend sunrise for three years? And one was after we had a remote. It was me, and Hagen and Jack Trudeau at a bar. And um, I was a little hungover the next morning, and I was rolling in there at about four, and I knew this was going to be bad. 
and I got in there. I hyperventilated once. I hyperventilated during it, and I had like eight minutes in front of you know the HMON, what they call it, the monitor, while I was hyperventilating. And then there was one time when I walked out there and standing in front of that monitor, and my pants were unzipped. I don't know if evidence. I don't know if evidence does exist, but I hyperventilated once, and then once I went out there with with my song that I want to write, my country song. I leave my barn door open with my barn door open. <laughs> Channel 13. That's that's back when people watched Channel 13, too, unlike today. (laughs) Well, there goes any chance you have (laughs) of uh, of getting back on there. Chris Chris Hagan's pumping his fist right now, though. I guarantee that. (laughs) Well, I don't want to go down that path at all. Uh, There's got to be a screenshot of you with the the barn door open. Oh, I hope not. Yeah. They told me, quote, they said, you look more pasty than normal. And I said, yeah, you know, I feel it. <laughs> I, I used to put on my own makeup and everything, too. It was great. It was great. But no, oh, the, the sweating thing was uh, with Usher. I, I actually, going back to the Super Bowl and everything, all-encompassing, I was entertained by it all. Full disclosure. I didn't have an issue with any of it. How about you? Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I, I'm always I'm like, okay, just give me the entertaining game. And sure, I mean, the first few quarters a little slow. But, you know, if you have told me at the start of the night, and literally I thought this when they went to the two-minute warning, it's going to be a tie game and one team's going to be in the 35-yard line. <laughs> Sign me up. Like, I, I don't really care how we get there. And, again, we had some clunkers of playoff games this year. But I loved it. Yeah, I mean, Usher was outstanding. Alicia Keys, uh, little John Ludacris. I mean, everybody. I was uh, – I was a fan of it. I mean, honestly, I think a lot of these recent halftime shows have hit, you know, more of Maddie and I's whatever genre, generations, however you want to describe it. So I love that. And, you know, to get an overtime game, it goes, whatever, 14 minutes yep. deep. Yeah. Uh, sign me up for that. And nobody knew what the hell was going on, basically. Right. <laughs> Wait, what happens here again? <laughs> Which I love. I literally. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, can we get, honestly, a little bit more of Steratore just to, like, explain this? Because Lord knows Romo is not going to be explaining the rules in a in a proper manner. Um, so, yeah, because I think, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially when the clock was winding down, I thought that was kind of one of the more confusing parts of, like, wait a minute, is this, like, a change of possession here? Or are they just flipping sides to the field? And, you know, obviously Kansas City knew full well what they were doing. I love it. Kevin Bowen, morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. It is here on The Fan. I mentioned Indiana State. Let's go to Butler last night. The last thing you knew when that dude buried that three from, you know, left uh, key extended for that three, he banked that in. You knew that thing was over. But I will say this. When they were down two and they got a steal, they were going to the other end of the break, and then the trailing Marquette player intercepted the pass, and it was a turnover and then another turnover. That was kind of that opportunity. I thought Butler had, but the opportunity still is right there in front of him with Creighton coming in on Saturday. That opportunity to solidify is still right there. You just don't want, I don't want to see them trip and fall here down the stretch. Yeah, we had Nick Gardner on earlier today, and I said it to him. And again, there's no way to say it without kind of like nerding out over bubble talk, but like I would think Butler's got one of the better looking resumes when you start to actually compare them to like those other teams in that range. I mean, I want to say they have seven, like, quad one or two wins, and, and over half of them are away from home. Like, again, that's a pretty dream scenario. And last night was almost a house money game. Like, they don't have bad losses on that resume. Now, again, they got to avoid that. I think they played a Paul again, and 
you know, whatever. If you're going to see Georgetown again, you obviously got to avoid things like that. But, I mean, last night to me screamed, you know, one versus eight, two versus seven, you know, however you want to describe it, second round matchup. I thought Marquette looks to be a certainly a Final Four type of team, and they're probably the hottest team in college basketball, not named Purdue or UConn right now. Uh, when you look at their run since Butler last beat them. So, uh, and, and honestly, again, it, a lot of it, I think, comes with silver linings because, sure, you know, Butler is going to probably need one or two more on the resume to feel really, really good. But, um, you know, the fact that Finley Bizjack gave him, by the way, I got to love the, love the look of that kid. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, he does. Yeah, uh, that, that, man, he, he hit some big shots in, in that second and half. Not just, you know, I, I went to a practice at the start of the year. I'm like, you know, someone was sitting with me. I was like, oh, yeah, he'll be a great shooter, you know, for us and, you know, feel like he could maybe play a little bit off the bench. I mean, several of the plays he made last night were much more than just standstill shooter. And, uh, again, I think that's important for Butler to, you know, try and have some different things they can turn to outside of the obvious, which is, you know, kind of the bully ball with Telford and Brooks there. So, yeah, uh, they have done a nice job in handling this, you know, big gauntlet run here of getting a few of these wins and, uh, if they can get Creighton on Saturday, uh, that will only strengthen things for him. So, Kevin Bowen, with us, you surprised that Chris Holtman was cut loose today in the fashion in which he was? You know, maybe a little bit just by the in-season nature, but I remember when the Notre Dame job opened up last year, like people talked about Holtman leaving Ohio State to, like, get ahead of this inevitable situation. And, you know, obviously it's gone awful here over the last month and a half, but – Still, just the midweek. I mean, that. I, I yeah. I don't feel like I, you, you see that a whole lot. You think Shrewsbury would leave Notre Dame for Ohio State? <laughs> God, I hope not. I, I brought that up to be a horse's. You know what? My bad. God, now you have me sweating again, like I'm like a mustard here. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, would, I just I, I brought that up to be a jerk. My bad. Yeah. God, what about? Josh Hurts to Ohio State. Does that make any sense? Um, uh, well, you, if you were to say Dusty May, I'd go, God. <laughs> no. Well, like, I, everybody, when anybody at IU mentions Dusty May, I, I just face palm and I go, as much as. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I shouldn't be that way either. That's completely selfish out of me. I'm just. I'm looking at it take, with the effect of me. So. Would he take Ohio State or Louisville? Um. I don't know. I don't know at all, having not talked to him about this whatsoever. And I know what he would say is, I really enjoy being where I am. But I think that with what they accomplished last year and again, what they're going through this year, you know, even with the upgrades to the program and the NIL money that's raised, you at that position don't. Turn, or you don't say initially no. You look at everything, right? If it's Ohio State, if it's wherever in the Big Ten, don't you look at it, right? Yeah, and you know a lot of it. I guess I don't know what you're exactly the comp- what the compensation's looking like at Florida Atlantic and and, and things like that. No, he's got the dream gig. I mean, it's it's a great place to be, but the, sure. the longevity of that, like right now. You know, they they get beat in overtime or they win by five and people go, ah, you know, he's just not doing as good a job as he did last year. Well, you know, he is. There's just more of, you know, a team going out and, and getting at them because of what they accomplished last year. There's more motivation against them right now. They're in a better conference than they were this time a year ago. So I think to me that if somebody like Ohio State would call you and say, hey, 
you know, what do you think about this gig? That would be a, a phone call that would be answered. You know, the thing about Holtman's run at Ohio State, again, they've been very bad these last two years. But, like, if you look out at it like that, it's not – I mean, it's not awful. And I, I, I get it. It's Ohio State's athletic program. I mean, there's obviously a, you know, a, a higher standard there. And Thad Mata has certainly created that. Um, but, you know, I, I think so much back to, honestly, them losing – remember when they lost in Mackey in the COVID tournament to Oral yeah. Roberts? I mean, yep. they were a two-seed that year and if you look at the other NCAA tournament appearances I mean they have won a game in the tournament every year and have lost to you know higher seeded teams so it's not like they have this you know awful tournament resume of whatever they were three and a four and they're losing all these double digit seeds so I mean Holtman to me is a name that should and could very well resurface somewhere what do you think that would be so he's been the head coach at Gardner-Webb at Butler and at Ohio State right and what was the – I mean, the Butler resume was what? At least a Sweet 16 and a couple of other NCAA tournament appearances, and I would say wins. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. the Butler and it, it, it pissed was, a lot of people off in the fashion in which he left, and, and obviously yeah, it pissed him off because he left, you know, their favorite team in that gig. But, uh, you know, taking a dude – how many dudes did he take with him? One or two? I can't remember. At least one, right? Yeah, I mean, it would probably be like back end of a Power Five conference. I mean, that's probably where Maybe, you, know, yeah. you have to go back to to you know try and get to that level. But I mean, I'll be I mean, given the Midwest angle, given the you know proximity to Bloomington. I mean, certainly what and 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 just Big Ten country in general. I mean, who fills the jobs at Louisville and Ohio State? I mean, you talk a recruiting ground if you're. Purdue, if you're Indiana, if you're Michael Shrewsbury at Notre Dame, Ohio State and Louisville, I mean, we've seen plenty of Indiana talent leave the state and go play at those places. Uh, those are some critical hires for the respective programs in our own backyard. Hey, Kev, final thing before I let you go here, because James is waving me off, but uh, you think the ball offensively, I brought this up a little bit earlier with Kristen Neri, has it been sticking a lot more since the acquisition of Pascal Siakam because it was more free-flowing and throwing around, and they were having a lot of good results with that for the most part. Has it been sticking a lot more? Is that just a combination of guys being out, you know, trying to get acclimated to a new team? Is that what I'm talking about here? Have you have you seen that ball stick as much as I, I believe I have? Yeah, I, 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 I think there is some of that. I, I don't think it's like to a super alarming level. And I think part of that is a little bit of just Siakam. Like, I mean, he's a great individual scorer. So when you throw it to him um, and he's still certainly, you know, is a very good passer, but you know, part of that is just, you aren't going to get the ball back in the same sort of fashion, or it's not going to move in the same fashion that maybe it did when different guys were in the starting lineup. Um, I mean, I thought they were in a pretty good rhythm Saturday night in New York, you know, granted it's a New York team that certainly missed a bunch of guys and, uh, that's been a little bit out of the norm when you look at it. And, and maybe is this a little bit of just the rest of the league is kind of catching up to the Pacers offensively, what they were doing this season of, okay, we're, we're going to try and limit some of that stuff to way they aren't in this, you know, incredible, you know, ball movement flow, however you want to describe it for them. Um, but man, I mean, you just, I mean, you go back to Monday night, John, it was every box you didn't check. I mean, offensively, you were terrible. Uh, your bench was awful. Uh, defensively, I, the stat that I cannot keep on just glossing over is in the second half, Charlotte was 23 of 27 on two-point shots. I mean, they missed four two-point shots in the entire second half. They missed one 
got inside the arc in the fourth quarter. Like, again, those things just cannot happen. And it was all of it, all of it, offensively, defensively, the very reliable bench. Uh, I mean, Matherin looked just so out of sorts. And physically, clearly, there's an issue. Um, it was probably the most lethargic I've seen him look. And that's not a word that I think we describe him as, really, um, with how he usually attacks. So, Aesthetically, I don't know how it's going to look tonight at all, but, boy, you just scratch and claw, try to find a win, and then regroup during this All-Star break. Some guys probably participating Friday and Saturday need more rest, frankly. Yeah. Matherin, Turner, Halliburton, I mean, if we're going to be totally honest, uh, they need rest right now. And I, I get it's not the most extensive on-court stuff they're doing this weekend, but still, um, you need guys to you know spend this week in the R&R because right now it is a team that has just looked very clunky in the last month. A lot slower than they were when they really were getting the upper hand on other teams, for example, like like the Bucks in four out of five meetings this season. A lot slower they have been. Kevin Bowen is with us. Uh, morning wake-up call, KB and Andy. Again, when is your anniversary? Uh, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night the 16th. Yep, yep, yep. I think uh, – I think Sweebo, I think Sweeney, when he got married in front of that Taco Bell in Sellersburg, I think that was like August the thirteenth. It was, it was little ninety one degree, ninety one degree afternoon in August. Yeah, they chose to get in the parking lot at Taco Bell down there. You know that Taco Bell's right off of sixty five. Have you seen it before? You want a hot sauce with a chalupa that comes with? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do. I, I, I can't remember. I think that that was a year when they brought back the uh, Mexican pizza. I think that was a big deal, too. I think they had that for the <laughs> wedding dinner. Was it the Dorito-flavored uh, shell? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know he's at home all, He's at home listening right now because he listens nonstop all day. He's all pissed right now. He's oh, all, 1,000%. I would say he's 1, red. I would say he's all red-faced, but uh, he, they just come for the territory. He's all red-bearded right now. Red bearded. I'll set the over under at seven oh three and thirty seconds. He brings us up tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm going to get a hold of you on Sunday too because I got to do a show here downtown, and uh, we'll we'll yap at each other a little bit on Sunday. All right. Okay. Cool. Shoot me a text. All right, Kev. See you, bud. I right, see you, John. Kevin Bowen. Morning wake up call with KB and Andy. Incredibly sad news as we referenced at the beginning of the conversation coming out of Kansas City today with a shooting that reportedly, according to NBC, has claimed at least one life so far. Um, you updated on the latest coming out of Kansas City on that tragedy, or that, that tragedy and a lot more uh, coming up before the end of the show, too. Um, Bourbon and Beyond tickets, we also have the opportunity to give away coming up here before 6. Listen to win. I'll tell you how you can win coming up and your calls if you're on hold at 239-1070. That's next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Happy Valentine's Day to you out there. 
Chris Finch, the head coach of the Western Conference All-Stars and Minnesota Timberwolves, joined us a little bit earlier. He was outstanding. Just a lot of fantastic hoops conversation with Chris Finch. If you missed a podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Chris Denary also here. Uh, Kevin Bowen, also moments ago. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Tomorrow's show, we're going to be downtown at Brothers, the finale, the championship of our NBA Jam Michelob Ultra Tournament, the high score. The winner will get the actual NBA Jam arcade game. And I don't know how many. I just know there's a lot of tickets, really good upfront and personal tickets to a lot of the great concerts coming to the area in spring, summer, and fall. So you're going to win all that coming up tomorrow. I just want to see you guys down there. The Brothers Downtown, our NBA Jam Michelob Ultra finale. Friday, Slippery Noodle downtown as well, a part of the uh, NBA All-Star Weekend festivities. And then on Sunday, 3 until 5, so let's just say you're just hanging around downtown. Or maybe you're going to the game. Maybe you're fortunate enough to have tickets to go to the game. You join me, Winner's Circle, from 3 until five, I think Kristen Neri is going to slide by too. Be talking a lot of ball and then some from the winner's circle that is on Sunday from three until five. Oh, by the way, two JMV takeover coming at you on Saturday night per usual. Um, again, a quick update of the tragic and sad news taking place in Kansas City around the parade route. The celebration of a another Super Bowl title for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, obviously interrupted in a tragic way by gunfire. And according to NBC News, one person has been killed. At least 10 reportedly shot altogether. And three critical five serious and one non-life-threatening injury. That was the last check. In the past 30 minutes, they say up to 15 people may have been injured during the shooting. The Kansas City police chief within the last 30 minutes with a press conference update again of yet another tragedy that had become unfortunately so commonplace. And um, we'll keep you updated with the tragic and incredibly unfortunate, awful, sad news coming out of Kansas City today. Uh, College Hoop from last night, no real way to transition from that smoothly. Talked about that with Kevin a little bit earlier. Pacers and Raptors coming up later on tonight. The Before the All-Star break finale for the Pacers on the road in Toronto. The return of Pascal Siakam to Toronto. Chris Holtman fired his head coach at Ohio State earlier today. We talked Butler and Marquette with the Dogs losing last night. Yeah, the disappointment of the way that they played. But again, my thought that Indiana State's going to have to win it to be in it anyway. He's got to get that thing right. Their loss to Illinois State last night. 
Yeah, simply put, a lot going on today. 239-1070 is the number. Uh, Bill's been on hold the longest. Hello, Bill. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. And uh, uh, just I'm watching the news right now. And uh, apparently uh, one of the shooters uh, was subdued by the crowd. Yeah, I saw that. So, yeah, I did see that. So so hats off to them. Yeah, and that's, just, that's, that's heroic. If you want, in terms of describing a hero or something heroic, uh, that would be it. Yes. <laughs> It sure is, and and this is going to be a, a crummy transition, also. But uh, yeah, there's no there's no uh, way. I mean, and yeah, unfortunately, we're used we're so used to this, um, and really you know, so much we've had to talk about over the years with this. But yeah, there's no really smooth transition, no doubt. But we want uh, we want the people to come out tomorrow because we're going to party like mothers at brothers. Exactly. That's going to be that's going to be happening tomorrow, and then the noodle on the, on Friday, like you'd said, uh, chance of rain uh, uh, a little bit on Thursday and Friday, but this weekend uh, it's going to be nothing but sunshine. So it's going to be a great uh, great day for our city. But and I, I heard you mention earlier Mike Connolly, and I was I wanted to ask you. Um, of course, he was on that team with Greg Oden. In your opinion, what is or what was the greatest? Indiana high school basketball team of all time, or, or your top your top three? Well, I mean, obviously, my era was Purple Rain and Marion with that three-year run that they had with uh, Jay Edwards, Lyndon Jones, Jay Teagle, LaFon Bowens, uh, the Persinger brothers, uh, that Bill Green, the head coach, that's at the top of the list. I think most people that are a little bit older than me would suggest, um, you know, Indianapolis, Washington, Right, as being up there with, you know, obviously when when McGinnis was there, I mean the most dominant of those teams. Uh, but they had no doubt, I mean, LN set a new standard. They went back to back to back as well. But I would always bring up from my generation Marion because they were so good for so many years, so consistently high level there with that group. Lyndon Jones and Jay Edwards, and uh, man, uh, there's a there's a life lesson in the in the Jay Edwards story. You know about how somebody that possibly could have had it all, and then and it just didn't happen. For I should have mentioned but, uh, too Derek Keys, who's also a part of that team that was gone his way to Wake Forest, went to Wake Forest, knee injury derailed his career but a really good dude and a fantastic piece to what was i I think again i I look at marion as the greatest but it probably depends on what generation you're from as to what you think is the best yeah hey i think uh if you want to get a hold of babyface uh i wonder if amp harris could help out oh well i'm trying he was in here yesterday i'm trying I, i i am i have been exhausting all of my connections with this I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I understand why he would go. Wait a minute. This what? This guy JM? What? No, I don't want to do that. But I'd be really good with him. I'd be real. I've been. I've been set up for about 19 years to have him on. Much like George Brett. I'd be ready to go. And Don well, Mattingly. We get Don Mattingly on here. He's been on with me before. You get him on here as well. I'd be ready for that. Yeah, they, I have not gotten a response back from. Uh, the guy, the vice president, is the head of the of the what they call the contemporary committee. Which after you don't you don't make it on fifteen balance, then you've got a committee of people that uh, that uh, vote to uh, um, to uh, put you in the hall. And those yep. could be former players, sports writers, and and the like. So I think it's going to happen. But that's my crusade for the rest of the year, man. Automatically has to be in the hall. Thank you, Billy. I'll see you tomorrow at Brothers Downtown NBA Jam Michelob Ultra or Championship. 
It's coming up tomorrow. Quick break. We'll come back. Derek can lead on the other side. Bourbon and Beyond tickets also on this day. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107. Find the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Ahoy, Paloy. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, this may be the... Love song of the 1980s for a lot of people right here. Anybody have this as a prom song? Force MDs, Valentine's Day 2024, we celebrate with this slow jammery entry. Sad news today. Don Gullett, a member of the Big Red Machine, left-handed pitcher, was a part of the 75 and 76 back-to-back Reds championship teams passed away today at the age of 73. Sad news indeed. Don Gullett. Reds fans know him and know him very well. I got time to take a call here. What we got? What do we got? How much time? Uh, you got about a minute and 20 seconds. Get, uh, Derek, jump on here at 239-1070. Hello, Derek. Hey, John, how are you doing today? I got my 10-year-old Reese here with me. Say hello, Reese. Hello. Hello, Reese. <laughs> Thanks for listening, both of you. Yeah, he knows you just as well as I do. So uh, just real quick, uh, did, were you able to get um, on the court, and are they going to let you shoot? I don't know. I haven't heard yet. I'm still waiting. It's in a uh, holding pattern. So, Maybe. yeah, I'm trying. Uh, hopefully they do. Somebody has. I don't know if the Pacers can help me out or, or not. I'm not sure. <laughs> we need to put a committee together to get you out there. Yeah, I need a committee. There is. You guys formed that committee for me, would you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I will <laughs> see you tomorrow. All right, Derek, I appreciate that, man. Thanks for the hang today, fellas. I appreciate it. Bourbon and Beyond tickets. I want to go number nine at 239-1070 right now. Bourbon and Beyond September. That's going to be a celebration down in Louisville or Louisville or Louisville or just a little south of the hometown of Swebo. Chris Finch, if you missed that podcast, 107.5thefan.com, he was fantastic. Kevin Bowen, Chris Denary, too. Brothers downtown, Michelob Ultra NBA Jam tomorrow at 3. Have a great and a safe evening. Happy Valentine's Day.